Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Our special guest today is Beate Chalette. She's founder of Chalette Enterprises and also known as a growth architect and founder of the Women's Code and provides visionaries and leaders with proven strategies, blueprints, and growth maps that provide clear steps to improve business systems, strengthen leadership skills, and teams so that their clients and audiences can maximize profits and scale their impact. Beate went on an entrepreneur journey that was crazy transition from being broke single mom and immigrant who was $135,000 in debt to cracking the code and then get this, selling her business to Bill Gates for millions of dollars during a prolonged recession. Look forward to hearing a little bit of that story coming up shortly. Her super skill is finding the hidden opportunity and creating an executable strategy to achieve it. Her clients are consultants, coaches, service providers who want to grow their authority to scale their impact. They know there are hidden opportunities in this market, and they know they cannot wait this market out. She helps them first to figure out how to articulate their unique value and that thing that sets them apart. Then she designs framework, strategy, and systems to streamline operations and workflows. Using her five-star success blueprint, her team can diagnose in 30 minutes where a business is stuck, if, if it needs optimal alignment or is missing certain elements. Beate's goal is to help her audience understand that they need a strategy to find a hidden opportunity, get unstuck, instill confidence that they can build a sustainable and strategic business model. Beate is passionate about building structure for overwhelmed and frustrated business owners who can't squeeze out any more time in their busy day. Very little excites her as much as designing strategy, building a repeatable structure and process mapping. She has worked with giants like Amazon, Reckitt, the maker, maker of Lysol, Los Angeles Philharmonic, and many, many small businesses. Beyonce's course, Creative Live, now recorded by Fiverr, has over 40,000 buyers. She's also the podcast host of the Business Architect Show and listed amongst the top 100 global thought leaders by People Hum and one of 50 must-follow must women entrepreneurs by HuffPost. Beate lives with her family in Los Angeles. And with that, uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to be on the show. I'm excited to be here, Rich. Yeah, I've had a chance to listen to some of your podcasts and other people's shows, and you have a wonderful story. And I want to kind of start out there. Our listeners love to hear stories, how you started your business, why you started businesses, the challenges, et cetera. So please tell us a little bit more about you and how, how you got things started. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm an accidental entrepreneur, but maybe then it wasn't so accidental. I started selling posters out of my bedroom when I was 12 years old because I couldn't afford to buy the posters. And so I figured if it was the poster distributor, then I, you know, then I would get points. And from those points, I could get those posters for free. And sometimes I made a mistake and guess what? I got an extra poster and then I could sell it for profit. And that I thought was a really kind of cool thing. So I, I come originally from Germany where we take things extremely seriously. And I always felt that I was more drawn to the creative aspect of, of work. And 
I was told very early on in the aptitude test that I took that that was a bad idea that um, I should be a secretary, not a photographer, not a textile designer, not a jewelry designer. And I thought that that was really dumb. And so I became a photographer anyway. And I realized early on that my passion was not so much about the creativity. I love the creative part, but I wasn't that good. And I, I, I figured that out, thank God, early on. And I always felt drawn to the business side of things. And so from there on, I went then in the business side as a photo editor at Elle magazine and was managing all the photo shoots worldwide that we did. And from there, I frankly, I thought that was a little bit boring because now I'm 23. I'm running the photo department at Elle magazine in Germany. I have the job that everybody will kill other people to do. And I was I, I didn't like it. And I immigrated through the United States and then, you know, and then the real journey started. And I, you know, I ended up in Los Angeles where I worked for a company that then laid me off. I was a photographer representative and a still photography producer. And then in this very, very prolonged recession, you shut down the whole department says, you know, just take what you want. And, and I just don't want to pay you anymore. And so I started my entrepreneurial journey in a country that's not my own as you know, as a, a, and I just had to figure it out at that time. I, you know, now was a, uh, a married woman with a small child already starting going through a divorce because I married an alcoholic and a pathological liar. And then uh, the decade of bad luck starts on the decade of bad luck. You know what other people goes like, well, that just happens to other people. This can never happen to me. All of it happened to me. You know, the, the, the betrayal by the employee who, got too close to a key vendor. And then they set up their own business, which was my business without me. And my invoices were paid to them for, uh, to fires, floods, riots, earthquake. Then we had September 11th that wiped out a half a million dollars of production volume, literally in only 24 hours. And so I ended up being $135,000 in debt and you know, really didn't know what else to do. I mean, I thought I had done everything. And from there on, I went to Germany, last ditch effort. Um, I borrowed money, Rich, to pay interest on borrowed money. It's called the death spiral of any business because that's, you know, the cash out. There's nothing else to borrow, really. I go to Germany. My father has a stroke. My father did not have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer. And within, you know, six weeks, he passes away. I'm at the funeral in Germany and my phone rings and I get a call from Los Angeles telling me that we've been served a notice. So now I'm losing the house. And at that point, I fell down to my knees, Rich, and I raised my fist and I yelled at God and I said, dude, I mean, seriously, I mean, if there's a plan here, you know, this would be a really good time to fill me in because I mean, I don't even get what the heck did, what did I ever do to deserve all of this? And then I did something I think we maybe talk about today a little bit. I surrendered and I said, I did the work. Now, I it's not up to me anymore. I, there, there was nothing else I could do other than find a bankruptcy attorney, come back to Los Angeles. I mean, it is game over, Rich. It's completely game over. And I get a letter from the White House, the White House of the United States. And uh, it starts to tell me that the president sends me his best wishes. <laughs> now, no, let's please make 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 no assumptions here. Of course, Rich, the, the president never saw the letter. That wasn't, <laughs> it, 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 of course not, some underling 
in turn, whatever, uh, sent this letter, but it put me in touch with a small business administration. And so I met the second in command, not some underling, but number two, because they also got a letter from the White House. And he's like, I got to figure out who this girl is that sent a letter to the president of the United States instead of just calling me directly. And they helped me uh, find a bank to restructure my debt, freed up my line of credit. Three months later, I'm break even. 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my industry. And then a Bill Gates company and says, can you tell us how you do it? Rich, I said, like any decent woman, no, you want it, you buy it. And they said, how much? I said, millions. They said, fine. No kidding. No. no, that's, you know, no one wants to go through that journey to end, to get to the outcome that you did. But what an amazing journey and what even a better outcome for you. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the hardship, you know, I think we we always think that the hardship is not part of the success journey, but the hardship is the success journey. It really is. And, you know, I, I watched certain, a show called The Profit here in the U.S. I don't know if you ever watched that with Marcus Lumanis. He goes around to small businesses and helps them turn them around. But the number one theme in, in every episode is the owner can't get out of their own way. They can't surrender, you know, and, they, and they're, they're the kind of become the, uh, the cog in the wheel, as you would say. But you had to come about it the hard way. And I'm going to ask you a question, which is because you didn't ask for all those things. So when I asked you this question, a lot of this came upon you on your own, but you have perseverance and maybe that's from your upbringing being in German. Okay. You have a lot of perseverance and stick to itiveness. But looking back, if you had a chance uh, to talk to yourself, looking back and starting, starting your business, are there some things you would say you would do differently? I don't know if this is the good part or the bad part about the story. I don't really think I would do a lot of things very differently. I mean, you know, I probably would spend a little bit more time getting to know the person I'm going to marry. But at the point I was an immigrant, I needed the papers. So marriage was the best option. Otherwise, I would have had to leave and I wasn't ready to do that. So I probably... Even if I may have doubts again, I probably would do the same thing again. So I I look at myself very honestly and say, you know, knowing who I am, would I do most of it again? I probably would. What I what I think is a better way for me to rephrase this to myself instead of saying, like, you know, you could have you could have had a better life. I always knew that I wasn't meant to be in Germany. I always knew I was meant to be somewhere else. I happen to love Los Angeles. Can say about Los Angeles whatever you want. It's a city of misfits. Everybody who doesn't fit in anywhere else fits here just perfectly, and that that always felt right for me. And now that I am out on the other side, I will say that the if we look at my journey from a mindset perspective or from from spirituality or universal laws it kind of fits the mold. It's exactly what the journey said. It says, you decide the person you want to be. I said, I wanted an equity business that I wanted to sell. It says, you need to burn the bridges. Boy, did I burn every bridge. I mean, there was no more money to get. There was no way to go. I didn't even have money for another plane ticket to Germany. So I couldn't, you know, what was I going to do? I mean, I had to make this work. Then there was the unfaltering belief that this is possible. I remember, Rich, thinking to myself, the joke cannot be on me. Like that was really my guiding thought. After all of this, I just couldn't imagine that God, spirit, universe, whatever you want to call it, 
would stand there and go, nah, 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 and say, the joke is on you. I mean, that I couldn't fathom that. I mean, I, that, that, that was not, that just wasn't in the possibility. So that is the unwavering belief that we talk about in spirituality and, and mindset to know that you can reach the goal. And then I did all the actions that I needed to do to actually put this in motion. That means I decided who I wanted to be, who I needed to be. And then I took all the actions to become this person at unbelievable growing pains and with a lot of stretch marks and bruises and battered. And there was a lot of stuff that just went down the drain that broke. But if I'm really honest, Rich, there was a moment where I stood in the desert in, in you know, we have a dry lake bed here in, in Los Angeles, about two hours out. I finally had arrived where I was producing my first music video, which was like my dream. And I remember standing there and I, you know, it's whatever, like five o'clock in the morning. And I've been already up for hours because, you know, we had to drive that to pick up the model. The grip truck arrives, the food truck arrives, the 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 talent arrives, the photographer, the director of photography arrives, the stylist arrives, you know, and so suddenly out of nowhere, this whole team shows up. And I remember standing there and I'm going like, man, this is the best thing ever. And there was a voice in my head and it says, you're meant to do bigger things than this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and you were able to hear that whisper. So I heard that visp- whisper, but I didn't act on that until it was taken away from me. And I was forced to do something different. And mm. then that led to this unbelievable outcome. The second part, Rich, if we dive into it, of doing the things that show up as hidden opportunities, but really are a challenge in the moment. The only reason I wrote a letter to the president of the United States was because my mother-in-law was a nag. You need to write a letter to the president of the United States. Have you written your letter to the president of the United States? You know, he's your president too. If anybody can help you, he's the number one guy in the country. Why don't you write him? And at some point it, it became so, she was so overbearing that I said, fine. I may have said a bad word. Fine. I will write the damn letter just so you don't have to talk to me about this anymore. That was the one thing that turned everything. A letter to the president of the United States that I wrote because my former mother-in-law nagged me about it. So that's remarkable. Who, I mean, how many parents have told their kids to write a letter and never do you're an adult to write a letter and, and you did out of uh avoiding being nagged again and look at this outcome which kind of answers a question already for me you made a pivotal decision that you did something right okay and one of them was write the letter okay well you got one other decisions out there you made that was really a catalyst to helping you you know move forward i think a lot of the decisions if i look back were were kind of catalysts i think that the decision not to move forward that day in the desert, that was a catalyst because that was the decision, not making the decision. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs mis, misjudge this one particular piece because they say, well, I'm not ready for it. I'm going to wait. And especially right now, a lot of people are waiting because they're worried about what is the economy going to do? 
is this going to be a recession? Is this going to be a prolonged recession? I'm just going to preserve my cash. I'm not making any investments. I'm just going to stay where I am. That is a decision. That's wait and see is an actual decision. So you make a decision to not grow. You make a decision to stay where you are. You make a decision to hope for the best that what you have, you can preserve by not putting any effort in it, which if I say it like that, really sounds dumb. It does. For, for, forgive me here for being so blunt about it. <laughs> it does. Sounds crazy. Who would do? Who would make a decision like that? Yeah, like imagine you know. So so let's say you know we we are in a relationship, and then you you and I say we we're not going to be spending any more time together. We are no longer having dinner together. You do your own groceries. Let's just preserve money. You can have ramen. I'll have ramen. We'll just, you know, pour some hot water over it. Just preserve our cash. We're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything fun together. We're just going to sit here, uh, watch Netflix show. Uh, I mean, we can hold hands, I guess. And let's just wait it out until things get better. What do you think is going to happen to this relationship? Not much. So, going to go backwards. Uh, not, not much. I mean, you know, my my partner would go like, what is the heck wrong with you, right? Yeah. Get up and get your butt out. Let's do something together. So people just think that that waiting is not a decision. I think waiting is the most fatalistic decision. So if I were to go back and tell myself one thing, I would say, you not making a decision is the decision. So whatever happens now, you have to own that. I think that's a very, very big lesson we can impart on your listeners i think that's fantastic i really do it's wonderful because most people don't look at life that way and every decision is a decision whether you move forward or not uh, i don't i want to just get a brief synopsis you came back started this company you became the top in the world and then acquired and attracted by bill gates what, what was what was the company and what was unique about your company yeah uh, so what was back back then it was that um the at home living trend was just really taking off and i had gone into architecture interior and uh, photography and they at the time a lot of people not a lot of people were doing this but i knew that there was a timeless character about it because a victorian house is a victorian house a bauhaus is a style it'll always be bauhaus a you know so so i knew that you know that certain things in in design would always remain classic so i knew that i had a lot of resale value in that and i went to these photographers and because i was a photo editor and i i went and i made them an offer to good to refuse i said i will take all of your large format film at the time there you know was just starting to transition to digital and I will pay for the digitization out of my own pocket against future earnings. So it was a risk-free proposal. So I would fly to New York. I go there, I'll pick up the boxes and I'll send them to India to you know, get the drum scans because that's where the technology was. So I was building up a database that nobody else had access to of the best photographers because I learned one thing in my life, Rich. Why go after B if I can go after an A-lister? So I went straight after the A-listers. And once I had the A-listers, everybody else came anyway. And as a side effect, and I 
hadn't even thought about it at the point when I started doing this is that the A-list photographers work with A-list architects, work with A-list interior designers, and guess what? They are designing and building the homes of other A-listers. So Mm -hmm. next thing I know, I get Julian Moore, Simon Baker, Francis Ford Coppola, Seal. I get all these home stories that they had shot for the best magazine, A-list magazines in the world. And the photographer said, hey, do you know, uh, now that this is out of embargo, can you help me sell this? I was a photo editor at Elle magazine. I used to buy these. So now that became what I what I was world famous for. I mean, I would get a story in of Madonna's house. I would put it on the ticker. I'd built up an international distribution network of 79 agencies in the world. I put it on like literally the ticker, the fax machine. I'd send I'd send 20 faxes out. At, at at the end of my day, by the time I got in in the morning, I had sold it in Greece and in the UK, in Scotland, in Switzerland, Germany, Italy, Russia, uh, Poland, Hungary. And I, you know, and that's how this whole thing, I mean, I left and I came back and I had 30 sales, big sales. That is just phenomenal. Phenomenal. And then, I mean, such an exciting journey and not expected, right? But you did make decisions. So you wanted to be a certain type of person. You wanted to be an A-list person yourself. And you you did all the things to get there. Uh, congratulations to you on that too. That was some everybody's dream, right? To do something like that. Um, I want to take a commercial break, Beate. Um, this is your free time uh, to share with our listeners anything you would like them to know, event, books, uh, services, uh Take, take some time and let us know more about your company and who you serve. I appreciate that, Rich. Yeah, so today I work primarily uh, with business owners. So I, I work as the growth architect. I work with visionaries and thought leaders to help them grow their authority and scale their impact. And what that means, I, I like people that have crazy ideas or big ideas and they need to land planes and they are better at flying planes, but they don't want to land them. So I help them land the plane by building, you know, the structure around it or the strategy and I find that is an incredibly creative piece. So typically two people come to me or two types of business owners, entrepreneurs come to me. Number one is somebody who says, I've tried this long enough. I bought a whole bunch of stuff and I'm still keep spinning in the infinity loop and I can't get out of it. I, I really want to make a commitment to growth. And I think, I think I need a strategy for that. That's people I work with. And then I have people that come to me that have grown very rapidly and now they are at the million, million five, which is, you know, the burnout, burnout number. And now they're realizing they cannot replicate themselves. And they now understand that they need systems and strategies and processes so they can scale the company and they don't know how to do that. So I come in and help them find the hidden opportunities and then organize it and structure it in such a way. I work with men and women across all industries. I happen to, of course, have a soft spot in my heart for for single working moms because I was one and I know how difficult that is, which is I have the women's code. I wrote a book, Happy Woman, Happy World, specifically geared for women to figure out how the in the world am I going to make it through these really tough and work intensive times. And for anybody who's interested in finding out more, uh, we have a free quiz. So you can go to growthblockerquiz.com take a two-minute quiz that will help you to identify what is your number one B 
business growth blocker, and then you get a report that will tell you what you can do about it to remove it. If you have heard something, you say, maybe I should talk to her, go to uncoverysession.com, schedule a 15-minute complimentary session. Make sure you mention this show, though, so that you get priority treatment. And that way, we, we, we talk to you for 15 minutes, and we'll help you to identify what's going on in your business and what your best next step should be. Very good. Very good. Yeah, so do you work around the world too, I imagine? Yeah, we have clients um, in Germany, in, uh, in Great Britain, in Australia, New Zealand. We have uh, now Hungary. So yes, we work with people from all over the world. Very good. Very good. Uh, thank you for that and hope our listeners take advantage of that. We'll again at the end of the show ask again how they can get a hold of you. But let's jump into the th- uh, last segment of the show. Okay, uh, you've been through some tough times. You, you mentioned all the, the dark period for you, uh, and some was personal and some was economic. You know, 9-11, that, wasn't, that was everybody's thing. We've hit uh, COVID. We've uh, had some crazy times in 2022. And the only thing I can look back to, in one year, we had everything happen in one year. You know, from interest rates to labor to wars to, you know, politics. You know, we had everything happening in one year. Uh, now, as I use, we still have the hangover of that in 2023. Uh, you are leading a company and you're also consulting people on their companies. Do you see it's a time to, as a leader, as a founder of a company, to grow, to expand? Are there still those hidden opportunities? Should we retreat? Uh, how, are you, how are you navigating your company? What do you see uh, today and a little bit going forward? Yeah, I think the number one most important thing is if I were to ask your audience a question and I say, if all of your competitors or 85% of your competitors made the decision to not make a decision, they're not advertising, they're not promoting, they're sitting tight, they're not spending any money on anything, they're, they're, they're concerned, worried and hovering over what they have. What do you think is the best thing for you to do? And that is to do the opposite of that. I have a great example for that. We went, um, Gary, my partner, he is in renewable energy. So he was driving a fuel cell car. And the one that he was driving I thought was hideous. I mean, you know, fun, cool for somebody like him, but really hideous. And so he had now the option of buying another fuel cell car from Toyota or a Tesla, which fits with his branding because he does solar battery installations. He, you know, does a lot of Tesla installations. So it's all brand conclusive. So we go in the Toyota dealership. I mean, I walked in there. People were kind of like, hey, yeah, Um, we were going on a test drive in the fuel cell and there were two cars parked in the driveway. And then Gary says, well, who's going to be moving the cars? And the sales guy, the sales guy sits in the car behind us and he says, nah, somebody's going to move them. And then I see that to the left, there's a couple of cones, like plastic cones, lightweight plastic cones, where more people are just standing and looking. And so I got out of the car. I moved the plastic cones so Gary could drive the car out for a test drive. Guess what car we did not buy? <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. Because it was n- yeah. no effort, no passion, no no customer service, no excitement. 
And then we go in the in the Tesla dealership and man, it's like, I mean, this is not an Elon Musk thing, but let's just say they got this down. I mean, that is a business on how they do this. And we walked in, they let us take the car. They said, take your time, get yourself a coffee, treat it like you normally would, come back maybe in half an hour, no problem. Uh, what do you think? What do you think of the color? I mean, you know, it just was a, such a different vibe. So, so you have to make a decision right now in, in, you know, in the hangover period, which I love and will steal on whether or not you want to, you want to pretend like you have a hangover, even though your hangover has been, been, been over months ago. I mean, just look at what happened with AI. I mean, a couple months ago, nobody used AI. Now there's not a day where I don't use it. So you stand put right now. You make a decision to fall behind. Yes, so yeah. to answer you your know, question. You, yeah, no, it really does because uh, that, that really sums it up really well using the customer service analogy because you can be that Toyota dealer in your particular scenario or Tesla and in, in, it's just a decision made at the top. Okay. And uh, you can be that. And, and the other thing that people don't realize customer service as an example is so lost that any effort of customer service has an exponential effect on you because you just don't see it anymore. So yeah. Or just, or just excitement, just, yeah. just be excited about what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh yeah. Exactly. So, 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 so just tell me why, why, why I want this or what is about it? The confidence and the compat and the comp the conf confidence and passion are the things that are contagious. That's what people buy. People buy you and your conviction. Yeah, I think about the saying, "Misery loves company." That's true. Truly, but, uh, but they never buy anything from you. <laughs> so, if you want someone to buy something, your services show some excitement and in in compassion and customer service. Beate, was before we wrap up here. Um, you definitely show perseverance of who you are. Your story tells that loud and clear. But nonetheless, you're a mom and soon-to-be grandma and a business owner, and uh, you got to get up on Monday morning and go go to work again. Got to do it. What kind of things have you done to help? I'll call it self-care. Uh, do you use mentors? Do you use certain disciplines? Are you what, what do you do to help you keep yourself focused? Yeah, so I do mindset work just about every single day. I'm, I make sure that I am in that in that mindset. I I had a gentleman John Mitchell on the show that does mindset, and he had this idea of this ten minute manifesto that you write and that you uh, then read to yourself every morning. So now I have a manifesto, and I keep reminding myself what that is with the arrival of my my grandchild, which makes me kind of like feel a little bit old, if I'm honest but I'm very excited. Nevertheless, I realized that I needed to make another decision in my life to say, who do I want to be for this child? Do I want to continue to be the hard charging business owner, take no prisoners, tough love, or is it time for me to shift into a different role? And I made a conscious decision that I was going to make time available to be there for, for, for Kayliana and to be stepping into discovering more of this feminine divine concept 
that makes me uncomfortable because I really am good in survival and hard charging and making decisions under duress, but I don't know what it feels like when I'm not there. So I caught myself creating these scenarios because that's where I excel, but it gets very tiring. So this is what I'm working on right now to stop creating these um, hard scenarios, but to get more into this energetic feminine flow to allow things to come to me with ease versus the constant fighting. And that is a, you know, that's a relatively recent shift. I can't say it's easy for me to talk about it because it makes me sound like I'm missing something. I've always, you know, I'm a woman and I love being a woman. It's not that, but it is that my story of survival has given me so many tough edges that I am still having those, even though my life is great. And now, now it's time to say, do I need to be this person still, or can I shift into something else? And that is a decision I made about a year ago or about nine months ago when I, when my, my, when my daughter got pregnant and I said, okay, there are concepts now that I need to step in because I choose to explore that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You know, it is, you know, especially we talked about before the show, I'm a grandparent of six and may, being a grandparent is a decision. I mean, no, not be, be, becoming one of might have anything to do with me, but how I become what type of grandparent and how it's going to affect my life and adjustments in my own personal schedule to be a, a good grandparent is a decision. So uh, again, congratulations on the future birth of your uh, grandchild. It is imminent. 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 <laughs> today, everybody, it might be today. So uh, it might be today. It might be tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, so any t- any day now, any hour now. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, Beyonce, again, I never take for granted that people like yourself who are willing to come on the show, sh- share your wisdom and thoughts and your story with our listeners. So thank you for taking time out of your busy day. But before we go, can you uh, tell us one more time best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, find me on social media, say hello. Please, while we're at it, will you do uh, me a favor, enrich a favor, get it done, is a labor of love. Wherever you pick up the show, go there now, give Rich a five-star review, plus a small comment. That is what drives the algorithm to send him more people to discover the show and uh, share this episode with one other person. And you can reach me. Uh, the best way, probably what I recommend everybody's go, just schedule your complimentary uncovery session, 15 minutes, uncoverysession.com. Talk to someone and let us help you to get unstuck or figure out what your very next best step should be. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for that promo. I appreciate that. This show will be aired on all podcast platforms in the next two to three weeks, as well as our YouTube station. Uh, Beate, I wish you the best and what an exciting day for you. And uh, and uh, I will keep you in our prayers for that as well. So I thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Rich LeBron here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media 
to let them know about the show, include the hashtag GetItDoneEntrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.